Paul's writing to the Colossians and he says in verse 24, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now let's stop there and let's think about a few things. Paul wants to make the word of God fully known. Now I'm playing word games here, but what was in the beginning in John chapter one? The word and who, what is the word? God, specifically Jesus, the son. Paul's ambition is to make Christ fully known to all he can, as long as he can, as much as he can, to make the word of God fully known. To take the word of God, the actual written words of God, and to make them known, to push them, to preach them, to proclaim them, is to preach and proclaim Christ. That is our job. And we do it by the word of God. And he says, uh, and he's talking to a group of Gentiles, which also are us. We are a group of Gentiles. And up until really Jesus, um, it seemed to me, it seemed to be, I mean, that the riches of the glory of God were that only to the Jews. But if you read Isaiah, if you read through some of the prophets, you see that that was not God's plan from the beginning, was to just be specific to the Jewish people, but that his kingdom would be made of all tribes, tongue, nations. God's kingdom would be made of all the nations of the world. But this became more clear as Jesus came on the scene. This is one of many reasons other than proclaiming that he was God that the Jews wanted to put him to death. So he gets, Paul comes specifically as an apostle to the Gentiles and he gets to declare the good news, the gospel that the God of Israel who is also the God of all creation, has made himself known to even the Gentiles. Which is, he says, um, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is the only thing we have to offer to the people of Byron the people in our communities is Christ in them. 
Without Christ in them, they are condemned. They are without hope. They are damned to eternal hell. And we like to say that they are escaped, not escaped, that they are removed from the presence of God. That is not true. They will know the reality of the presence of God and they will realize that they are not in the glory of God. They will know what they are missing for all eternity because God is omnipresent and they will know that while they are... They, they, it's like uh, Lazarus, the, 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 the poor man and the rich man. And the rich man who went to hell and Lazarus goes to heaven, that rich man knows what he's missing. And he says, hey, just let, go tell my family what's going on. And basically, what is said back to him is, if they didn't believe Abraham, if they didn't believe the prophets, they're not going to believe anything. Because what they have is what we have, the Word of God. This is the only thing that we have to give, to say, to proclaim, in order that Christ may dwell in someone. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of Christ. This is the only thing we have to offer Christ in them the hope of glory. Now, here's what I wanted to specifically see, and we will, we'll, it's pretty self-explanatory, and then we'll move on. We'll go home. So, with all that in mind, he says, Him, being Jesus, the hope of glory, Him we proclaim, we preach, warning everyone, and teaching everyone. Now, Notice the proclamation, the preaching. It is paired with warning and teaching. It is both. We warn and we teach. Repent and believe and receive forgiveness. But if you continue, as Jesus says, if you do not repent, you will likewise perish. And teaching, teaching about who Christ is, teaching about his kingdom, teaching about sanctification, growing in holiness. But notice he says everyone. Paul is wanting to, to teach and preach and warn to everyone. No boundaries. And we see him he could be in chains before a, a jailer, and he's doing this. He's at a new church, and he's doing it. He's at an old church that's like Corinth, that's going off the rocker, but he's there warning and teaching, proclaiming Christ. He gets brought before kings. He does the same thing. There's no boundaries for Paul. But there's only one thing he does. No boundaries, but one thing he does. 
proclaiming, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. It sounds familiar from Sunday school. With all wisdom. And that wisdom comes only from the Holy Spirit. Must depend upon the Holy Spirit. And this is something that I've been convicted of the last two weeks is my lack of dependency on the specific person of the Holy Spirit. We spend a lot of time about the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is God. And He has a specific purpose. And it is Him who empowers us to do what we're discussing. It is Him, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what brings the wisdom to God's servants. And it finishes, he's doing all this that we may present everyone, there's that word again, mature in Christ. Now, here's the irony of that passage. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Now, I want you to see the time frame in this passage. And I want you to see the work that's being done in this passage. Now, let me read what I just read here. That Paul is doing all of this. He's proclaiming, warning, and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we, the church, may present everyone mature in Christ. Everyone mature in Christ. Now, this is what I want you to see in Ephesians 1, starting in verse 3. See the time frame and see the work that's being done. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So, Paul tells the Ephesians, God through Jesus Christ, before the foundations of the world, has chosen them in Christ in order that he may present them to the Father holy and blameless. God the Father and God the Son in harmony, working to bring saints before God holy and blameless. Before the foundations of the world. But what's Paul doing? He's working his tail off to be a part of it. Paul knows, he tells the Ephesians, God has, God has planned this, he has ordained this before the foundations of the world that those who are in Christ will be, um, will be presented before God holy and blameless. But yet... It says, and he tells the Colossians, I'm working my tail off, proclaiming, warning, and teaching that we may present everyone mature in Christ. It's a done deal in the will of the Father, through the work of the Son. But when the church gets brought into it, is that we get to be a part of the work of God that is already been ordained and done in his mind and in his will. So that should tell us we have nothing to worry about. 
Because God will do what he will do. We get to be involved and work for him and his work, his kingdom will be done. But there is that part of us being obedient in that work, us not being lazy in that work. Because look what he says, for this I toil, struggling with all. His energy that he powerfully works within me. Paul is ready to work his tail off, but he knows that he can only work in this eternal ministry, this gospel ministry, this divine work with the power of God and the might and energy of God. So we get to go out there knowing, knowing that God has already, God has already worked. God has already ordained. God has already willed. His sheep know his voice. We just have to go and proclaim who he is and what he's done. So that's, that's the beauty that's, it's like one of those, you know, you know, when you work hard one day and you get done and you're tired and it's a good tired. You just know that good tired. That's what gospel ministry is. You work, you work your tail off, but when you're done, it's a blessing because it's the Lord's work and it's the Lord working in us and through us for his sake to fulfill his divine purposes that he had ordained before the foundations of the world. And then, so this, the last thing I'll just mention as it brings, as this brings to my mind is Paul to the Philippians. What does he say about, about his ministry? Um, basically, look, at Philippians chapter one, um, Verse, we'll start at 19. Keep, let's keep in mind Paul's ministry, gospel ministry. 119, he says, For I know that through your prayers, this is a little bit of lead up, through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So by the way, he's in prison right now. That's what he's talking about. He's in prison for the sake of the gospel. Uh, 20, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So he can live for Christ, or he can die and be with Christ. And here's what he says. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor to me or for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh as you and I are today, meaning we're alive, to remain in the flesh 
is more necessary on your account. Meaning, if I don't die today, I get to live again tomorrow to minister to you. And that is to live for Christ. Convinced of this in 25, he says, I know that I will remain and will continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or an absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit and one mind, striving side by side. He's talking to the church at Philippi. Striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Now here, last Two verses and then we'll go home. For it has been granted to you, the church, that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. How? Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. And that is imprisonment chains for the sake of Christ. You go down these roads, you go down your community, today you're not going to be arrested. You can live for Christ for the sake of the joy of others, the hope of Christ in people around you. And you can do it without fear or trepidation of this that Paul was going through. Today, Who knows, that might change. But we are on mission for Christ's sake as Paul was. And we are to be engaged in this same conflict. That word is battle. That Paul was. It's who we are. If Christ is our hope and he is in us, we seek that he might be in others as well. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you today that you provided your word to us, that you provided your son for us, and that you have given us your spirit. And I thank you for divine examples like the Apostle Paul. And I pray that as he has written in his letters that we might imitate him as he imitates Christ. And that as we imitate him imitating Christ, we will call others to imitate us imitating Paul, imitating Christ. And that we might make disciples. And that we might work the sake of your kingdom and that we might not live in vain but for the glory of Jesus. Amen.